You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Matt Rosenberg. Josh Flanagan from my fanboy, and I'm here with Matt Rosenberg. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm good. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad this worked out. We've chatted a few times, and uh, as always, it takes a little while to sort of get everybody together at the same time. But uh, I'm excited. Let's do this. It's funny because I I know you, but I don't really know you. You know, it's like sure. you're a guy. We've chatted. You know, we're sure. familiar. We've exchanged yeah. a PM or a DM here and there. This but is true. I was sort of thinking about what I was going to talk about, and I was like, "There's a lot of a lot of blind spots here for me." So, uh, like, I I assume because you know Ron Richards, you're f- from the Long Island area. Is that true, or is that uh, no? You know, what's funny is that uh, Ron must have this incredible gravity to him because everyone, when I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've known Ron for years," everyone's like, "Oh, you're from Long Island," and I'm like, <laughs> "No." Um, maybe he never left Long Island and everyone assumes that he was, that if I know him, I must have been there. Uh, no, I'm from, I'm from the city. I'm from Manhattan. Okay. Um, but I, I, I grew up going to shows on Long Island and all over the place. And, um, you know, he did his fanzine and I was a fan of it. And my roommate wrote for, wrote for Muddle and, okay. and all sorts of stuff. So yeah. So you were a city kid. Yes, very much so. Like you grew up like in Manhattan? In Manhattan, wow, never left. Lived in Manhattan my whole life. Still that's, do. That's it's changed a lot. Anyway, <laughs> that was <an> obvious <laughs> yes. sentence ever. Um, so so less, less what, people are being shot. It seems like that's maybe true. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm out of touch. But it seems like less people are being shot in Manhattan. I mean, from what I've read, I grew up in Maine, so it was always <laughs> my first instinct. My first thing was when I was watching SNL, and they had a sketch uh, where like thing was like it was a tourist board thing, and the joke was. A pamphlet that said, so you've been stabbed. <laughs> In the yeah. late 80s, that was a thing. Oh, sure, yeah. So, uh, uh, have you have you always been a comic book guy? Have you always wanted to work in comics? You know, it's funny. Um, I've always been a comic book guy. I, I, I grew up, like, I learned to read stealing my brother's comics. Um, I grew up with a comic shop on my block. Um, so, like, I don't have a lot of the, like funny touchstones that a lot of people have of like oh i got my books at 7-eleven or whatever because i was like no i had a comic book store i had a proper (laughs) comic book store since i was a a a toddler that was you know across the street from my house um but i never because i think because of that because comics was like on my front door i never it was never a group activity it was never (laughs) the same kind of thing like I, i had friends and we played video games and we skateboarded and we did all that stuff but comics was always very solitary for me. And because of that, I think, I, I think, I, I, you know, this is my own self-diagnosis or whatever, but I, it just, making comics was not something that I ever really thought about. When I was 10, I drew them. I couldn't draw like Todd McFarlane, so I gave up. <laughs> and, like, I never looked back at trying to make comics. And, I, and it's weird now because a lot of my contemporaries and peers were like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to make comics since I was a little kid. And I, I haven't. I've been a fan since I was a little kid, but I wasn't trying to make them my whole life. It's interesting. I had sort of the same – I mean, we're about the same age, so probably – like I remember being 10, 11, liking them. I didn't 
I didn't have comic book friends. It was just me. I'd go to, I did buy mine at the drugstore, but then I found the comic shop, which was pretty much nearby. You know, and I would read them, and I didn't have any friends to talk about. There was no internet. You know, yeah. and I would draw, and I thought, oh, it's fun to draw, but I was like, I don't think I'm good enough to be a comic book artist. And it didn't occur to me that there was anything else to do with it until I was much older. Yeah, yeah, same. Which is which is hilarious because both of my parents are writers, so you would think <laughs> that it would dawn on me at some point that someone is writing these things, but it it just didn't in that way. And like, yeah, I I mean, still for me, comics is a very solitary thing. It takes sort of all my mental fortitude to be like, oh, I need to get out and talk about books and promote books and be a part of a community because for me, it's still like, oh no, I go to the shop you know, late at night and pick up my books and go home and read them. And I, I'm not inclined to talk about to people about them. I just sort of naturally am a comic hermit, I think. <laughs> well, that's interesting because, you know, one thing I was thinking when I, and I started seeing you get more work at Marvel, I thought that was kind of interesting because I always, I thought of you as a guy who wanted to make comics, but not necessarily, you know, be working for Marvel, be doing this sort of big two superhero stuff. Um, I don't know for for whatever reason I was I was mixing punk rock aesthetic with you know you you know Ashcan Press you were doing your own thing all the time um, and now I look at the work and I, I say well you know that makes perfect sense because obviously you know you were new what you were doing but when did you know when did you get involved with comics when did it become the plan or was it the plan to sort <clears throat> of you know work for Marvel to do stuff like that you know uh, it is funny because there is that like I think people who are are you know familiar with sort of like the music culture I'm from. Like I, it, when I started, people were definitely confused when I was like, Oh yeah, I, I want to work for Marvel. <laughs> I want to make like superhero comics. People were definitely like, really? Like that's, <laughs> oh, that's weird. Um, I think people thought that I'd much more be going down a, you know, a, an eight ball or, or Hernandez <laughs> brothers career trajectory. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I, I was working in music and, and, you know, I, I, I basically like right out of school, you know, started hopping in bands, bands and going on tour and traveling the world and putting out records and all that stuff. And, and, you know, Wait, so I, what I, does I, that mean when you say you were working in music? Like what was, was that what you were, you know? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I did for a living. I mean, I, I, uh, when I was 16, a, a band, uh, I went to see a band, uh, they needed a place to crash. I was living on my own. I said, you can crash in my house. Uh, in my apartment, uh, that night they were like, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're, we don't have anyone to go on tour with us. We're going on tour for a month. And I was like, you know, we need, they were like, we need someone to sell shirts and, you know, count the money and get us paid and all the, all the, all the sort of tour manager stuff. And I was like, I can do that. And they were like, sure, come on. And I, I didn't know them and I hopped in their van and I went out for a month and I was still in high school and. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I almost didn't graduate from high school because I went on tour for a month and was like mailing people postcards being like, I'm in Salt Lake city. And people were like, I'm in math class. And it wasn't a, a good, uh, a good fit. But, um, well. <laughs> from then on, I, I just always, you know, I, I, I've done, I've had every job in the music business you can have that doesn't involve having musical talent. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I tour managed bands, I, I ran a record label, I, I worked in a merch company, I, I did guitar teching, I've done merch, I've done, you know, worked at labels, I, I ran, a, I managed a record store for a year and a half. Um, you know, pretty much the whole, you know, marketing and press and, and booking agent, I've, d- I've done, I've dipped my toe in all of it, mm-hmm. um, to, to differing degrees of success. 
uh, the big thing was I put out records. I, I ran a record label for for nine years um, with my with my girlfriend, and and we ran it out of our living room. And uh, you know, it wasn't. It, people were always like, "Oh wow," you know, was it wildly successful? And I was like, "No," but it paid the bills. So mm-hmm. that I mean, in indie music, that is wildly successful. Yes, so. it is. Um, you know, sometimes the bills were paid and all that was left over was like, well, it's ramen for a month, but, um, they they were paid almost all the time. So that's something. So when you went on, on tour, when you were 16, how old was the band? Uh, they were in their (laughs) twenties and they said, let's take this 16 year old kid with us. That'll work. I I think they were really, I, I realized very quickly they were nice dudes and, and, and I knew people who knew them, but they were, uh, I realized very quickly that they were like, just stoners and they were like <laughs> they didn't want to figure out how to read a map they didn't want to like know how long it took to drive to the next show they didn't want to figure out a finding a place to stay and they certainly didn't want to like chase promoters for money or try and sell merch mm-hmm. they wanted to play songs get stoned and get in a van and so like basically anyone who had walked up to them at that point and was like i'll do all the other stuff they were like yeah you're hired so you and know, how did, was that? And how did you feel about that at the time? Were you like, oh, I can totally do this, or were you making it up? As, I mean, I'm sure you were making it up as you went, but well, you I was know. definitely making it up as I went along. Uh, you know, it, it, it's fun until it's it, it, it's really fun until it's not. Um, the first time a promoter is just like, no, I'm not paying you, and then you're like, I'm a 16 year old kid. Like, I don't actually know what happens now when the <laughs> scary dude, or like, you know, the I think the third day of tour, uh one of the other bands on tour got into a brawl with, with people in the crowd. And when we left, when we unloaded the show, there were like 20 dudes outside waiting for all the bands. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to die in Cleveland. Like this is a weird turn of events. Uh, was so it like hardcore? That, no, they were actually a, like a poppy punk band. It wasn't huh. hardcore. You would think, you know, Cleveland has a great hardcore scene. That's super violent. You think <laughs> that's where we were going with this, but no, uh, it was a pop punk band. So huh. yeah, <laughs> Like uh, mid, the, mid mid late nineties midish. Yeah, yeah, mid okay. late nineties. Um, yeah, the band who uh, the band who it was late nineties. The band who got in the fight were like street punk kind of dudes, mm-hmm. but uh, the guys waiting outside didn't really discern whether no. or not we were wearing leather jackets. They were just hold like, on. Let's slice this genre down to its parts before we fight. <laughs> yeah, there was not a lot of like, hey, what are your influences here? Before I hit you with. <laughs> the brass knuckles i have on um no i didn't get beat up everyone yeah. everyone was fine there were oh. some people who were beat up but i was not one of them because well, i was uh probably hiding but regardless it uh it worked out it's but a yeah i mean I, I, yeah it was it was fine it was you know uh, a lot of the stuff in especially in like punk rock and and i feel like the same thing is true in comics there's such a strong uh if you know where to look there's a really good sort of community support network yeah so the stuff i wouldn't know how to do uh, it never felt weird to not know how to do it because you could always be like you know you'd be on tour and there were there were four bands on the tour and i'd go to the other tour manager and be like hey i don't i don't know how to like you know this club is taking a cut of the merchandise like how do i do that and they're like oh you just smuggle shirts in so you don't have to pay them (laughs) and stuff like that where like everything is being you know it, it was never weird to sort of just ask for help and i i'm and so, no, it was never as intimidating as it as it naturally should have been to just be like, I've never had a job before, and I'm taking me and three strangers' lives into my hands. It's interesting because, you know, I, I'd said earlier, you know, it, it seemed unexpected to do the Marvel stuff, but really, comics and, and, you know, DIY rock or doing whatever, like, 
even the people at the highest level are, are it's it making a comic is DIY. You know, like you're sure. making stuff up. There's not a lot of people involved. You are, you know, it's sort of a very specific god. It's all sorts of things. I'm sure you know all the all analogies. So it's not such a reach. If sort of even when you just talk about the sort of experiences you have, I go, yeah, that actually that that works for comics. I can see, you know, I can see the connection, um, sort of in those communities. I guess. So so when did when did comics become a thing for you then? Like making them, like as, yeah, uh, like making comics. Not you just know, I, I hit a point. Uh, the music industry had a really spectacular collapse, um, and and when when money starts to dry up, uh, things th- <laughs> friendships become a different kind of thing, and business relationships become a different thing. And I'd I'd survived a long time being like a handshake kind of guy, and like my word is is my word, and and you're working with friends, and and it just sort of became a thing where like. You know, there there were lawyers getting involved in stuff, and and um, uh, we had over the course of the nine years that we ran our label, I think six of our distributors went bankrupt, and you know it was like thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars that just vanishes. Mm-hmm. And when you're living on peanut butter sandwiches, like being like, oh, like those people who owe us fourteen thousand dollars just had their phones repossessed, like where that fourteen thousand dollars is gone, like. Uh, it, it it becomes just a an endless sort of beating that that really uh, and I hit a point I call I called a buddy of mine who ran a record label and I was like man I'm feeling really burned out and he was like well what do you mean and I was like I just don't want to go to shows I I, I don't want to like put on records when I get home I'm just like sort of exhausted and he was really stunned and he was like wait you still go to shows for fun and I was like yeah and he was like you still listen to music recreationally and i was like yeah and he's like oh i he's like you're not burned out this is just like working in the music business this is what it is like you just hit a point where like you hate it and i i was terrified of that he was like oh no i don't he's like i don't listen to records unless it's a band i'm gonna sign and i was like oh okay i don't want that and and that was like that conversation for me was like a major moment of like i need to get out like i need to get out of this now and I, in my not very smart brain, I just was like, you know, I, I don't, I love music and I don't want to keep doing this until I don't love music. Mm-hmm. So I need to find something else to do with my life. And what else do I love as much as music? And I was like, comic books. So I decided to go into a, a equally as perilous career <laughs> that also has a lot of people who have grown to hate it as they do it for a living. So yeah, I, I made the... Uh, odd transition into comics. Then. So, were you reading comics all along? Were you stay? You, you, were you in touch with what was sort of happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of dipped in it. I never like left, stopped reading comics, yeah. like a lot of people. But like, you know, I grew up reading Marvel stuff, and then sort of discovered the, you know, the eight balls and hates of the world, and 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 sort of fell in love with all that stuff, and sort of drifted away from superhero stuff, and. Um, you know, I, I think in the, uh, you know, there's a period where I think when like, you know, guys like Bendis were, were coming in with their crime stuff that I was getting really back into comics. Like I was more casually like I'd see a comic shop and stop in, but it wasn't a weekly destination for me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, you know, in a bad year, it was like every other month I'd go to the comic shop and, and, um, and, and then I just sort of like, there a few writers really sort of really started speaking to me and getting me really excited about what they were doing and and I just was like oh I'm spending more and more money on comics and that was around the time that I was getting really burned down on music and 
interestingly, a, a, like a, a big, a big turning point for me was, uh, someone randomly, I, w- I was talking to someone randomly and I, I said something about, uh, Steve Niles and mm-hmm. how I liked Steve Niles work. And I was a fan and they were like, Oh, do you like him? Cause of the punk rock stuff. And I was like, I don't know what the punk rock stuff is. <laughs> and they were like, well, he was in gray matter the like the 90 the the 80s 90s discord band and uh, from dc and i was a huge gray matter fan i mean they were before my time but i like i love their records and i was like the steve niles who wrote 30 days a night is the same steve niles who was in gray matter and people like and, and whoever was talking to was like yeah yeah it's the same dude like, you know, and that to me was like amazing because i didn't know anyone who made comics at all and so like i didn't know steve but like it was someone from the same sort of community years before, but I was like, Oh, that that's the first person I could point to where I was like, Oh, people make like real people make these, like these are actual <laughs> humans making these comics. And that was a big thing that like stuck in my mind. And, and when I was like, I got to get on music, like Steve was a big guy that I sort of looked to. Mm-hmm. So what's the step to the, the next thing is where you say, I'm, I'm, I want to try to make comics. I want to do that. And also like, were you, a, you know, had you been a storyteller before that? Had you, no, um, <laughs> no, I, this, not at all. this is a lot like the first time I, t- when I talked to Mark Russell and I was like, had you ever made comics? He's like, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, you know, my, my parents are writers and, and I saw what that life was like and growing up and, you know, my, my, my dad's a very successful writer and, and what kind of writers, I mean, what kind? Be, yeah. Like uh, fiction writers or, or journalists. Uh, uh, my dad, uh, was, a he wrote nine novels and, a, a book of essays and, um, uh, he was the head writer on six seasons of network TV shows oh, and, wow. uh, nominated for an Emmy. And then, um, he's the most prolific TV movie writer in history, actually. I did not know that. So like a yeah. real full-time working writer. Oh yeah. Which For is sure. funny because I didn't even know that existed until I was almost out of college. I just – I had no idea that that would be a thing that somebody could do. And I was like, I wish I'd known about this earlier. <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it is weird because it's like – I have a very weird relationship to like – especially when I started writing comics mm-hmm. because, you know, there's that thing where people – you know, you, you, I was out there trying to network and trying to meet people. And I'd say like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to be a writer. And people would be like – Hey, you're not trying to be a writer. Like mm-hmm. you are a writer. And, and to me, I was always like, I get what you're saying. And I understand the sentiment is like very positive and encouraging. But like to me, writing is like, that's every meal I ate as a child. That's like the roof over my head. That's all my clothes. And like my education is writing. Like, and, and, and I would always like sort of be like, yeah, no, I, I get it. And they'd be like, no, take that to heart. And I was like, I don't because uh, to me, and I understand why it's important for other people to hear that. And I, I, I agree with the sentiment, but to me it was like, uh, no, like my dad's a writer and he's paying the bills or he's not paying the bills based on, on the work. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, no one would be like, Hey, I'm trying to be a doctor. And you'd be like, Hey, if you're trying to be a doctor, you are a doctor. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a little different because writing is a, is a creative field and it's a passion and like, it's not about someone cashing a check and I get all that. But, but to me, I always had the mental barrier of like, if I'm not paying my rent doing this, can I really call myself this? Um, did you think pers- that way about musicians? 
No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, uh, every, uh, you know, my favorite bands in the world, like I would know what their day jobs were sure. and they were, you know, crappy day jobs so that I could quit them and go on tour. But like, you know, I, you know, I'd go see like, uh, go see my favorite band serving, you know, delivering pizza. And I'd be like, yeah, it's cool. They're, they're, they're an amazing band. It doesn't matter. So I don't know why that hang up was personal. I think it's just ingrained from, sure. you know, my parents. But and I'm um, sure if he was, if he's working on, you know, network TV shows, he knows a lot of people who want to call themselves writers, but aren't because they can't get that job. And that's a yeah, different I, thing. You know, I never talked to my dad about it. I don't think he would agree with me if I said like, I think he's one of the people who'd be like, no, if you want to, if you, if you, if you put pen to paper, like you're a writer, you don't need, you know, NBC to pay you. You're not a professional writer though. Yeah. But, uh, and my mom, my mom only ever wrote, I, she wrote other things, but she only wrote one thing that ever got made. She wrote a slasher movie oh, wow. that, that was made. Um, she was an editor for a long time. She was a book editor though. Um, but yeah, so, uh, no, I wasn't to backtrack. I wasn't creative because I saw what, what it worked like, what their work was like and what life was like and what it was like when, you know, there was no writing to be had. And I was like, I don't ever want to do that. I want more stability and structure and, and, you know, less all-nighters and so you thought indie rock was the way to go yeah that was that was that was a smart choice well i didn't know anyone did i didn't have you know if my if my parents were in sonic youth i probably would have been like no i'm gonna be a writer i want more stability but uh you know here we are but the uh, you know the the so I, I i vehemently did everything i could to not be a writer i mm. sort of would have opportunities to write and I'd be like no i don't want to do that um and and then when I was leaving music, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to write comics. And I I just was like, uh, my buddy Patrick uh, Kinlan, who's a, a great writer, comics writer now, um, but he's uh, he's the front man in, in a bunch of bands that I was friends with. And he was the only friend I had who liked comics. And he was the only person I knew who talked about comics. And he's a, I knew he was a great writer. And I was like, hey, we should figure out how to write comics. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Because he's that kind of guy. We'll just be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um you know, I could have been like, hey, we should figure out how to be bank robbers. And he'd probably be like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like, let's figure it out. Maybe we do it, maybe we don't. But, like, what a cool thing to learn. And so we just dove in headfirst on, like, can we do this? Can we write comics? Like, I didn't know what a comic script looked like. I didn't know how you hire an artist. I didn't know. You know, I remember reaching out to artists and, like, you know, artists, uh, you can get a... a there's a there's a thing in comics when you know people seem like they're not really uh people reach out for you reach out to you for work and you don't actually want to work with them mm-hmm. uh you give them a thing called a fuck you rate which is like you know an an absurd rate to hire you mm-hmm. and if they'll pay it you'll take the work because they're paying you an absurd amount of money but mostly it's to get them to go away and the first artist I ever reached out to gave me that rate and I remember having like a true panic attack because I was like, <laughs> Oh, these people make so much money. Like I can't self publish. I can't hire working artists. Like it'll cost me 40 or $60,000 to make a single issue of a comic book. <laughs> and, and then I like looked around more and I was like, wait, this guy's working and it's, you know, he's making one tenth of that. That's fine. So, uh, was it, an, I don't, I'm not, I don't need you to tell me what, well, like, was it an, a name? Was it a person like, uh, like, did you reach out to somebody who was way above, no, 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 no. I reached out to someone who was working uh-huh. and is is great, mm-hmm. and I'm still a fan of. But uh, is do you, do you know someone. him now? Do I know him? Like do you uh, know I, him professionally, or yeah, yeah, 
Like, would he know that, that he did that? No, I don't okay. think so. I, no, I, 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 I reached, I, at some point early on, I reached out to a bunch of people who are artists who are many are pros now. And it was some amateur shit on my part because I didn't even have money. I was like, is, can we just work together? Which is the yeah, lamest yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely did that too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I wasn't above shooting my shot and just being mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah. you know, if I see Jim Lee, I'm going to ask him. <laughs> like stuff like that but you know like i still uh, i learned quickly enough that i was like i need to be on message boards and finding you know people who don't know what they're doing as much as i don't know what i'm doing and i need to be you know i i i quit my jobs and and uh uh sold my record a lot of my record collection and and i had a lot of video games i sold those to pay artists because i was just like yeah i gotta pay these guys and uh i don't really have a job so i'm, I'm working pretty meager for a while, but it worked out, I guess. I'm probably in the black now, I hope. So, like, how do you get, like, what's the first thing you do? How do you get started with that? Like, do you find somebody? Did you have a story in mind? How'd you learn how to oh. write comics? Like, where do you go from nothing? Uh, I knew that, that craft-wise, I wasn't up to snuff mm-hmm. in just every way. And so I, uh, my buddy Patrick and me, uh, I was like, hey, we should do a thing where every Monday we have to pitch each other two stories in a certain genre or with a certain set of limitations, but like do a full pitch and then, you know, like give each other critiques on them and sort of figure it out. And, and from, we spent six months doing that where every Monday we'd be like, okay, next week, Westerns, like, okay, next week, horror, like, okay, next week, like single room mystery or you know like like locked room mystery like whatever it was and we just like try and come up with as many stories as we could Mm -hmm. to sort of just figure out how to pitch and how to do that and then after like four or five months of that and like really crash coursing stuff i was reading script books and i was pouring over interviews creators i liked and i was like lurking message boards and like looking at art forums and you know all that stuff and uh, then we started writing up scripts and, and basically cold emailing people. And the first person that emailed was the pro who, uh, didn't want to work with me. But after that, uh, you know, it was a lot of like people who didn't have published work who were just like on forums, just being like, Hey, you know, these are my samples. Like, you know, if anyone has paying work and I email them and be like, yeah, I got, you know, a five page thing, like a five page pitch. Can I give you 75 bucks a page to do it? And that kind of thing, where it's like crappy rates and, you know, a lot of people like, uh, you know, you, you meet people who it's like, oh, you don't, that actually isn't your work that you put up there and you're going to turn in stuff that doesn't look like that. And, you know, I was, there was a, you know, they, we were outsourcing stuff to like a Chinese art studio where like they, their translation stuff wasn't up to snuff. And like we were getting back pages that were insane. Um, you know, just all these sort of uh, classic pitfalls of not really knowing what you're doing and i mean it is uh not to go back to it but like making comics is really it is a lot like being in a band where it's like about synchronizing and and who fits and and figuring each other out and so these cold emails where you're just like hey i have a story would you like to draw it with no specificity and then the person is like yes i want money i'll draw it and you end (laughs) up with something like you know you end up with those weird things where like you know you you answer a flyer being like uh, do you like this band come play music with me and it's like that's, that's not actually enough connectivity to and not really... not everyone becomes the pixies as i understand it yeah yeah i like the pixies you like the pixies let's play songs yeah. 
Oh, yeah, well, was, we don't play. That was their flyer. Like that's like I forget what the band was, but like they basically listed like three disparate bands that had nothing to do with each other and Kim Deal saw it like quit her accounting gig and did that. <laughs> it was, yeah. But that's not yeah. that's an outlier. Okay. It works out sometimes, I'm sure. It just didn't work out great for me. Although, you know, a couple of the people that I worked with, like when I started, um, they pop up from time to time and, and get work. And it's awesome to see because, you know, I, I was doing me and me and Pat together. We did a ton of pitches, just like five page things to send to editors that never went anywhere. And a lot of them were terrible because um, of us, because we were we didn't know what we were doing and, and didn't know how to write scripts and didn't know how to tell stories well. And it was like a very expensive way to learn. Um, well, it's interesting though, because I mean, the next question that I had for you is sort of like, how do you go from, I want to do this to really understanding the craft? Because there is that early part where, I mean, and and I went through this to a certain extent. I didn't take it obviously as far. And, uh, but like, where you're really thinking about like, well, what makes an artist good? What, why would this work? What, where do these things fail? Why are they, they, and, and that's a, fairly long learning process and i'm guessing it's shorter if you're paying out of pocket to get people to do it yeah i mean i spent a lot of uh you know it, it once you're paying out of pocket it becomes very quick when reading comics recreational becomes studying comics mm-hmm. like you know my 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 bookshelf and my long boxes were were went from my favorite hobby to my classroom really quick but um one of the things I did that was really, really helpful to me, actually, um, I'd had towards the end of running the label, like money was tight and I, I took a job at a screen printing shop. I was managing a, a merch company that used to do merch for my bands and they were like, yeah, you can come on. And so I was running the label and I was also running this merchandising company and I was getting paid really well. And, um, and I just, I was like, no, I need to cut all of this out. Like I need to just be comics. And I, I quit and I, I took a job and a tremendous pay cut to work in a comic book store just because I was like, I want to be around comics. I want to like be living and breathing comics and I don't have the experience to get a job at a publisher. So I'm going to get a job at a comic book store. (laughs) And also I I wanted the ability to like go to conventions when I was self publishing stuff, but also like at five o'clock punch out and not have anything hanging over me, have no attachment. And that was you know, a retail job was great for that. I know that there are a lot of a lot of people who work in comic stores are are super passionate and live and breathe their comic show, store. But I didn't know that at the time. I I took it to be like, yeah, I've worked retail before, and I just you know, when I walk out of the door, I never think about the job until I have to walk back in the door the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge learning thing for me was was working in a comic shop in New York City. Hmm. It's uh, you're friends with Donnie, right? Like he told me that you guys yeah. are really, and he had like the same. Like he was yeah, in yeah. that comic store to learn, do all those things. Sure. That's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, Donnie. Donnie. Uh, Donnie worked in the store longer, uh, ascended higher than I ever did in my yeah. comic store job, but I think crashed out and burned more gloriously than me. So, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a good uh, there's a good there's a good parallel between our lives right there. So you're making uh, uh, you know, shorts and, and comics and, and stuff like that. And it sounds like you're at least smart enough to do five pages and not <laughs> a huge graphic novel that no one ever read. But what do you do with that stuff? Like, uh, I, I mean, oh. where does Ashcan Press come into this? Okay. So, um, yeah, we were making these five page pitches and I was meticulously figuring out, uh, you know, how to pitch and who to pitch to and who editors were and, you know, like obsessively learning all the editors at every company and, and, 
you know, going to cons and, and being able, crafting the ability to go up to an editor and not just talk to them about comics, but like actually engage in small talk, which is uh, remarkably harder when you're straight edge and, uh, <laughs> you know, like the, the bar con is a very real thing that I, yes. I love, but like, you know, people who are good at bar con, there are bad comic creators who are good at bar con and you see them at bar con and you're like, oh, that's your career. It's like you're the fun person to drink with and I am the grumpy dude with the chocolate milk in the corner who does not want to be in a hotel bar. Um, so that's always, a, that was a big setback that I learned pretty quick. But yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because what, when you think about it, like there's so many comics and so many publishers and so many amazing, amazing, uh, <clears throat> you know, comics coming out. But at the same time, like when you're trying to do this for a living, it becomes very clear very quickly that like at any given time, there are eight to 12 publishers who are actually paying for work. Um, there are obviously different editors and different, you know, execs at companies who, who greenlit stuff and, and can approve work or bring you in, bring you in. But essentially you're trying to sell comics to 12 people when you're doing pitches. Mm -hmm. And, and that, um, you know, we were doing these five page pitches and, and finding those 12 people at you know, image and dark horse and Oni and boom and, you know, top shelf and, and vertigo and all these companies and just trying to get them in their hands and, and, you know, uh, all the way, you know, companies like AIT, planet Lar, like slave Labor, like companies that are, that are just putting out books that we like, where we're just like, Hey, let's just get books out. <coughs> um, and it's 12 people. And, yes you said you were smart to do the five page thing and not the whole thing and and in some ways that's very true um because we could put more eggs in our basket but at the same time it is you know a lot of eggs to be in one basket and and you hit a point editors are great editors are amazing and and uh the one thing that is universally true across comics is that every editor is overworked um and they aren't they're looking for reasons to reject pitches. They're looking for reasons not to care. And, and um, just because they don't have the time or the bandwidth to like be invested in stuff that isn't a sure shot and they don't think is a slam dunk. And, um, and so what happens is you end up sending out this comic that you, you, this pitch that you spent six months working on and, you know, six months of your money to pay for, and you send it to these 12 people and 10 of them don't, respond even because they don't have the time and because they know that responding to comics creators it looks like a crack in the door where you can be like but wait did you know that this and they, they don't want to be in those conversations they don't yeah. have the time and That's there are dozens and dozens of you if not hundreds oh, for every one of them oh hundreds and hundreds yeah. and it, it, yeah if you answered every pitch that came in with a rejection notice and then got the email back being like thanks for your time but also you know, I think you misunderstood something about the main character. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a whole job like right. that in itself would be just a, a, a very busy, time consuming job, regardless of the actual editing of the actual comics they're making. And so you end up as a creator getting a deafening silence for your pitches over and over and over again. And that uh, I did that until I was just about broken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um and and then I hit a point where I was like, well, you know, uh, I don't even have a full story. Like, I don't have a full issue. I can't set up at a convention because seven different pitches with seven different artists, I can't sell that to people. I can't mm -hmm. be like, do you want to read? And, you know, it's like opening a film studio that only puts out trailers. It's not it's not going to work. And so uh, we made the decision, me, me and Pat, to um, 
actually pay to make books. And we were like, rather than making four pitches in six months, like we're going to make one book and we're going to, and my idea, which in hindsight was a very bad idea was (laughs) I was like, Oh, we're going to call it Ashcan press. We're going to make it look like a publisher. We're going to make ourselves look super professional and we're just going to walk into the room. Like we're published comic creators and, and be like, yeah, Ashcan Press publishes us. That's them. Like, here's the website. Here's the Twitter. Here's the domain. Here's the banner. Here's the logo on the book. Here's the P.O. box. And so I did that. I made the whole thing look like a publisher for a bit. And then when we started pitching it to people, people were like, wait, isn't Ashcan Press putting this out? And I'd be like, no, that's just us. That's, oh, never mind. And we totally blew it. Like, it was totally no, no, no publisher wants to pick up your book because they think you're already being published by someone. So, um, it was a good idea for like two minutes, but then it was a terrible idea. But it stuck, so Ashcan Press was the branding. I see. Well, that's interesting. So when does it change? Like, what happens? What happens differently when you're 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 getting real frustrated? Uh, you've you've tried this this Ashcan Press approach that that didn't work. You know, how do we get from from here to there? Yeah. So, um, I I hit a point. I was pitching stuff, and it wasn't. Uh, I got my first anthology story, um, going and I was really excited about that. And then I got a call from a guy who was, um, someone who knew me from my time in music, uh, and then knew I was trying to do comics, put me in touch with this guy and he called me and he, he just called me up and out of the blue and he was like, Hey man, uh, I work for a recording artist. Uh, we want to do a comic book. Can I take you out to lunch and pick your brain? And I was so broke and so uh you know uh, desperate for anything that i was like uh, the guy you know a free lunch is all i needed to hear he could have been like hey man i want to hit you with a hammer can i take you to lunch first i'd be like yeah let's go to lunch and we'll see where it goes so i went to lunch and a guy picked my brain for two hours and then at the very end of the meeting i was like hey man you got to tell me who this is for you know like i'll sign an nda i'm just desperately curious and he was like oh yeah it's uh i'm i'm on riz's management team and riz and ghostface killer from the wu-tang clan are trying to do a, a comic and i was like oh okay everything i told you you can throw out because like the rules are totally different when you're super famous and super loved rappers um and so I stayed in touch with them and, and kept talking to RZA's management team. And then they were like, yeah, RZA wants to meet you. And I went out to the studio and hung out with RZA and, you know, talked to him about comics for a long time. And uh, then the next day they were like, yeah, do you want to write the comic actually? And I was like, yeah, let's go. Um, and then very quickly they were like, do you want to put the whole thing together with the art team and everything? And I was like, yep, let's do it. Um, and so I, I wrote the comic and I, I, uh, I put it together and and that was my first thing and I brought it to a bunch of publishers and a lot of publishers were interested. We had great artists lined up and um, a lot of a lot of hype and and uh, and some people were helping me out. Ron Richards was a big help actually. I remember talking uh, to you about this back at the time and I thought I was I was impressed. I remember going, "Oh, cool." Yeah, yeah. It it, it was definitely uh, you know, the the Wu-Tang opens doors for sure and people go, "Oh, this is weird." Um and uh and finally, we we ended up. Uh, Black Mask was just starting, and I knew them, and and um, I brought it to them, and they were like, "Yeah, we can do it. Let's do it." And so we ended up doing. I did the book uh, at Black Mask. It's called Twelve Reasons to Die. It's my first comic, and like right out of the gate, we were going, and it was much more work and much crazier than I thought it was going to be. And they were a brand new publisher, and it was their first book, and um, 
you know, it was really chaotic, but it was awesome. And I, I sort of, I was like, okay, I'm not burned out on this. I love this. Like I love every second of this. And it's, right. um, you know, I think it was, it was legitimately six months of like four hours sleep every night because I was doing marketing and PR and art management and writing and like coordinating with a record label and coordinating with, you know, like, uh, Rizzo call you at three in the morning and be like, Hey, come to the studio. And I'll be like, I live in Harlem and he'll be like, the studio's in Bushwick. Let's go. And I'll be like, all right, hour and a half subway ride, four thirty in the morning, get there. Um, you know, uh, so it was, it was chaos, but it was, it was fun. And, um, and from there it just went and, you know, I, I finished that and, I pitched Black Mask, uh, a creator on thing called We Can Never Go Home, and they went for it, and they did well, and, um, you know, we just sort of went from there, and then I did Four Kids Walking on Bank there, and Marvel started asking me to do stuff, and, yeah. Did you feel like you were prepared when, when Marvel came around? Mm, um, prepared is weird. Uh, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the stuff. I knew I knew the stuff. I'm, I'm such a fan and have been such a fan and for so long that I was like, well, I, I, I can talk to them like I know what I'm talking about. Whether or not I can make the book like I know what I'm doing is a different story. Um, but I, uh, you know, when I got the email, it was one of those things where, like, I read the email four times. It was Jake Thomas, who's my editor on The Punisher and is one of the best editors in comics, emailed me and he was just like, hey man, you're doing cool stuff. Would you want to come do a short story at Marvel? And I, I, it was like a two-sentence email and I read it four times and was like, I don't <laughs> understand what this says. And I literally picked up my laptop and my girlfriend was in the kitchen and I brought my laptop into the kitchen and I was like, hey, read this email and tell me what he's saying. And she screamed and hugged me and she's like, oh my God, congratulations. And I was like, no, I, I literally am having trouble. Like, you need to explain what it says. And she's like, he wants you to do a short story. And I was like, right, that's what it says, right? Um, <laughs> so emotionally, I certainly wasn't prepared. Um, luckily, like, um, my buddy Frank Barberi, who I sort of came up with because I knew him through through music. He was in bands in, in New Brunswick that I knew. And um and he was a good, you know, when, when I was self-publishing, he was self-publishing and we were doing the convention circuit together, like hopping in his car and driving to Chicago and sleeping on someone's floor and, and going to C2E2 and, you know, setting up a table with our self-published books. Like me and Frank were super tight. I mean, we still are. He's one of my closest friends. Um, but he had started working at Marvel right before me. And so I immediately just called him and was like, oh, my God, Marvel asked me to do a thing. What do I do? And he was like, OK, well, you know, you want to do this. And he like. They were saying, you know, there were things in notes that I was like, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't understand. And they were like, I would call him because I was too embarrassed to call the editor and be like, I don't know what this means, man. Um, Which is funny because now I've been there for years and every day I'm like, hey, I don't know what this note means. Like, what are you guys talking about? Um, You got to get you got to get that confidence to be able to say, I don't understand this. That's that's a good moment to reach. I think that's always. Yeah, I think so. Looking and being being confident enough to look stupid is a is important step for me. Um. And I'm there, thankfully. So now, I was thinking about this question, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you tell me uh, when I think of your stuff. I don't really have a, a thing that I would. I, I don't have a way to pigeonhole you. I don't think Matt does this kind of thing, or he does these kinds of characters. Um, you know, and you've done you've done a, like a lot of different sort of s- stuff around around Marvel and and. Like, what would you say? Like, what is your favorite kind of thing to do? Is it is it you can you feel comfortable in any of the, you know, sort of different spaces, you know, in the Marvel universe kind of thing, or 
you know, like, what, I mean, do you have a style that you would, you would say that way? I don't, I don't know. You if, know it, no, I, I, I like that question. Um, uh, it probably is offensive, but I liked it anyway. <laughs> um, I've had that, I've had that conversation with artists and so it's easier with artists that, you know, wow, you have a bunch of different styles. You have, you know, your own and uh, yeah. I've asked that and, you know, and it, anyway, but I, I sort of was thinking that about your, your books because I see your name on all sorts of different things. Um, yeah. and there's not necessarily a through line and, and that's not a bad thing. I just no, haven't been able to put it together. No, I mean, I, uh, there's definitely stuff and I'm definitely like, I, I have enough distance now from some of my stuff to be like, okay, this is a better representation of me and this is a better use of my voice and this is a better, better kind of thing. But, but definitely when I start at Marvel, like I think my indie comics feel different. Like we can never go home and four kids have a sort of, they have a sort of punk rock aesthetic. Yeah. They're, they're sort of snarky, they're tongue in cheek, but they're like, you know, uh, they transition from, from painfully earnest to like, you know, sort of a, a comedic to heartbreaking and, and back and forth. And I, I think that's sort of a natural wheelhouse for me. Like, yeah, I, 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 I can see that in that stuff for sure. And, and, and that stuff appears in some of my Marvel stuff. And I, I, you know, I, I think, I think some of the stuff that people really dig, like uh, Hawkeye Freefall and Tales of Suspense and New Mutants and, um, especially X-Men and, and Kingpin, like they do that where it, 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 it transitions and it's, it's, it's sort of a bunch of different, you know, it, it sort of blindsides you with like, you don't know what, what you're walking into. And I, I sort of like to lean into that, but no, I mean, when I started the company, I remember early on, uh, I was talking to Nick Spencer and Nick Spencer, who I didn't know super well at the time. He was like, you know, what do you want to do here? And I was like, Oh no, I'll do anything, man. And he was like, that's not a, he's like, that's not an answer. And I was like, no, that is an answer. There's literally no character I wouldn't like to write. Like, I'm a fan of the universe. I'm a fan of getting to play with this stuff. And even characters I don't love, like, I'd love to fall in love with them. I'd love to fall in love with them through writing them. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to do that. And, and he was like, sort of skeptical and was kind of like, that's not how it works. But then I look back at, at my, my, my time at Marvel and I, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I started and I was writing, Rocket Raccoon and Kingpin at the same time. And I was writing like the foul mouth raccoon going through the trash, eating people's trash in, in Brooklyn. And also like this very honest, earnest Kingpin book about like a very troubled man trying to go straight and, and sort his life out. And, and I was like, Oh yeah, this sort of makes sense. This is, this is exactly my time at Marvel is like, I'm writing two books that are at the complete opposite end of the spectrum a hundred percent. And it, you know, and I, I, you know, like I, I just finished two and a half years on Punisher and went straight into Hawkeye. And like, <laughs> I, there's a connective line that makes sense to me, mm. but other people don't see it at all. And they're just like, Hawkeye is, is funny and, and lighthearted and, and, you know, so honest and so aspirational. And the Punisher is grim and brutal and disgusting and monstrous. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> I, in my head, there's, there's a connective tissue. But yeah, I mean, I like sort of. Wait, being, wait, wait. What is that connective tissue? Because it's interesting, because you know, historically, like as a reader, Hawkeye's always been one of my favorite characters, and Punisher's a character I've I've never been able to be that interested in. For I've read good Punisher stories for sure, but I'm curious sure. what your thought on that is. You know, I I, I mean, uh, the obvious connective tissue is that they're non-powered people in the Marvel universe. Just that they, dudes. They're just dudes who who have this burden and this this sense of of who they are and. Uh, of of just what the universe needs from them, and despite all odds, they're willing to go 
you know, face death and, and do it. And, and how they do that is very different. And, um, you know, obviously their origins are very different, but I, I, I think in some ways, like they're both, they're both people who, who are colored by the fact that they are unexceptional in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they surround themselves by exceptional people and they go to war with exceptional people to prove that they are exceptional. And I, I think that, that there's a sort of, you know, in Punisher, it sort of manifests as this sort of suicidal thing. And in Hawkeye, it sort of is this the opposite. It's a it's a guy who's sort of act suicidal, but won't look that in the eye. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's something really, you know, I, I write them differently. But I think if you read enough of my Hawkeye and enough of my Punisher, you'll see that, like, uh, these are guys who get in over they charge in over their heads without. I mean, neither of them is is the Batman of the Marvel Universe. They're not people who have a plan for everything and have an angle. They're guys who are like, "There's something wrong, and I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to come out swinging." And I think when you when you read my Punisher and my Hawkeye, the 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 easiest connective thread is like both of them are always very close to dying, and and one of them wants it really badly, and one of them is terrified of it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and how they react to that colors everything in the book. Um, I, I can, so. I, it's a good. I can, I can totally see that, which is going to lead me to my, my, my next question, which will be how far into working, you know, in comics or even at Marvel, were you able to talk like that where you can sort of psychoanalyze these characters in such a way where you can say, this is what he wants. This is his thing. Cause it's one thing to sort of understand that to be able to say it and pitch it. I mean, it, is that part of what, you know, you sort of learned as you trained yourself to be a professional comic book creator. You know, it's it's weird because I I I learned to do it at Marvel first mm-hmm. um, because I I spent a lot of time being like talking to editors, being like, well, I think this guy might, and th- and that's not what they want. They want to hear this is what this person would do. They want you to have a take and a, a strong, smart take and be confident, um, and it shows in the work. And so I learned that to, to you know, I, I felt confident about my ideas, but I felt really weird about taking characters who are 100% not mine, who are, you know, going back to every comic creator I've ever loved has touched them and being like, this is what this person would do is a bold, you know, it, it takes real chutzpah to like be able to let those words come out of your mouth authoritatively. But I learned to do it at Marvel. And I think I think the place I learned to do it was Phoenix Resurrection when I had to pitch Phoenix Resurrection, because it was the first time I'd ever been brought into the office and sat down in front of all of editorial to like pitch an event. And I, I mean, it was a mini event, but like there were 12 people in the room and I was like, this is what I see happening. And this is what I think it is. And like, this is why. And, and they weren't all sold on it. And I had to sell them on it and say like, you know, Jean Grey, I was like, you guys want Jean Grey back, but we've spent, 20 years making her a non-character while the phoenix is the character and i was like i need if you want gene back like the only way to do it is to have her break up with the phoenix is to separate them like have a break and and like it's a it's a it's a force that's been destructive to her as a character but it's a force that's been destructive to her personally in in the universe and not just you know aesthetically as as a publishing company and i was like uh, let's let's break that like let's break them apart and and get gene back like let's get stan and jack's girl back on the page and and i could say that in the room uh, from somewhere i got that and they reacted to it and responded to it and now i feel comfortable saying it in an interview talking to you talking right. to the public 
where I'm like, oh, yeah, Clint is like this. And every once in a while, someone's like, well, that's not how I see him. And I'm like, and, and my answer always sounds snide, but it's not. It, it's actually the thing I love about Marvel Comics. I, I, I say to people on Twitter and people are like, oh, he's such a jerk. But I, I earnestly mean it. I say, well, then I look forward to reading your take on it because I do. Like, that's what's fun about the Marvel sure, Universe. Sure, Absolutely. Is like, yeah, there, you know, I have interpretation of something. I mean, my one of my favorite things that ever happened at Marvel was I did Phoenix Resurrection, and Marvel said to me, like, okay, now you do the Jean Grey X Men book. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, in my head, Jean isn't in a place to lead a team. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know why she'd do it. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I put her back, and now she's very vulnerable, and she's very hurt, and she's very confused, and she needs time to heal. Like, shh. <laughs> And they were like, that's not, we're not going to do that book. And I was like, I know, I, I don't know what the book you want is. Like, I, I don't want to do it. Can I do New Mutants? And they were like, yeah, you can do New Mutants. And they were kind of annoyed. And they brought in Tom Taylor. And I'm friends with Tom, and Tom's awesome. And Tom knocked it out of the park with X-Men Red. And it wasn't at all what I thought to do. And, it, and it's so smart and so great and a book I love so much. And, like, that's, I love that about Marvel. It's amazing. Yeah. I was like, here's a story that I set up. And it went somewhere I completely didn't see coming because Tom's a very different writer than me and has different sensibilities. And that's fun. So when I say to people like, Clint Barton is this person, and they go, that's not who I think Clint is. And I go, well, then I look forward to reading your take. I, I, I'm being earnest. Like, I want to read different takes on these characters. I want to read people from all walks of life and all perspectives touching them. I think that's the beauty of, of what we do. And I mean, that's, that's one of those things where like Batman wouldn't do that. Well, Batman's done a lot of things like Batman can, yeah. can be anything you can think of as long as it's entertaining. And it, that's, I think that is one of those sort of like, some fans don't get that. Some fans do some creators yeah. get that. And I, I, that's sort of the, the, the rich tapestry just to overblow it. Um, yeah. so would you say that there was a certain point, you know, at Marvel where you, you had a little swagger? Where you were able to, you know, you're able to do that. Didn't that, you know, did that change sort of, sort of how your work went or how you sort of felt about it? Maybe swagger is hmm. not the right word, but it sounds like you, you need to get it at a certain point. You need to get it at a certain point. You need to, you need to act like you belong there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, no, I don't think it changed anything. I, I you know, uh, the, the swagger. The only time I've had swagger and really like thrown my weight around was probably misguided, but was multiple man because I, when Phoenix Resurrection came out, it did really well. And they called me and were like, you did good. Like this was, you know, a hard book and, and you did it and you knocked it out of the park and the fans reaction was great. And you know, sales were great. And what do you want? And I was like, I want to do a multiple man book. And they were baffled and they were like, <laughs> no we're talking about like x-force x-factor like something another x-men book like what would you like and i was like no i want multiple man and i had to go in and have a meeting and 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 talk to them about it because they were like no you can't and i and i said you know like you guys are giving me a get out of jail free card here if i'm gonna have a get out of use a get out of jail free card to get a book like you're always gonna have an x-factor you're always gonna have an x-force i was like you're never gonna do a multiple man book unless i'm cashing in chips like i'm cashing in these chips to do something that's weird and i think that for me was really uh testing my how much weight i could throw around because it was a book that i i think you know at the end of the day editorial was very enthusiastic and and supportive of the book mm-hmm. um and and I there's a lot of fans of the company of the book and I think the book did well and it's it's but but they were confused by it a lot and I think it's it, you know it's not the kind of book that they expect people to go for mm-hmm. um 
the ladder is sort of built one way. And when you're on the ladder and kind of looking to the sides, they don't understand in some ways. I, I mean, feel they like do you, have to, you have to be up the ladder if you want to do something off to the side of the ladder at the same yeah. time. You can get away yeah. with that. Yeah, you, if you want to be the Uncanny X-Men writer, you can pick a weird book, but you can't just say my next book is going to be something that's going to hardly sell. Like, that's not good career planning. That's not good publishing strategy. Like, we're investing in you. We're building you up, and you're just picking weird things. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, – I like the weird things. I like the – you know, like, I love doing Uncanny X-Men and Punisher and, and these flagship books, but, like, uh, you know, I, I like the weird off off the beaten path stuff so much and like i always want to do that stuff and i really gravitate towards it and i mean those are the ones that i definitely connected with like you know i saw you doing a multiple man book was it andy mcdonald am i wrong is that right yeah no andy yeah, yeah i mean that's a, that to me that's all that is fantastic and it was really whacked out for sure but it yeah. was super fun like are you i, I mean it, i assume that you like the story and everything you did but like did it, that didn't turn out to be a bad di- business decision did it no, no, I don't think it was a bad decision in any way other than like there are certain career trajectories that make sense that like mm-hmm. I think Marvel is protective of of us as creators and wants us to be like building bigger names and being mm-hmm. smart about what we do. And I think anytime you're like, I want to go four rungs down the ladder and to the left book wise, mm-hmm. like I want to go from a book that's selling 100,000 copies to a book that's selling 30, mm-hmm. like they're confused as they should be because Mm -hmm. they want us to be bigger and bigger names. And I want us to take out that chance to do these weird sort of esoteric books. I think that, you know, my, my, uh, my Marvel heart, uh, it definitely beats for, for the big events and the, the Avengers and the X-Men, but it's just as much, you know, I'm just as much an ecstatic guy. I'm just as much a, you know, the odd little weird kind of you know your visions and your hawkeyes and your your odd books that don't quite fit anywhere like i I love those and so i always want to try and carve that out it's maybe not career-wise the best decision but it is creatively the thing that makes me happiest so that's what i want to do so you're you're where you want it to be you have you know over a great many years with a, a great deal of uh missteps and and moves forward and also you're you know you're where you want to be so what happens now what do you what do you you know what do you keep your eye on going forward yeah there's definitely a weird uh i had a weird thing two years ago at the beginning at the beginning of 2019 where like for the first time in my life i'd done like uh here's my five-year plan here's my 10 like it wasn't even a five-year plan it was like a career plan of like this is what I want to do with my life. I want to at some point write the Punisher and X-Men and Star Wars. And I just looked at my schedule and I was like, oh, I'm writing all three of those. Like, that's it. Like, I don't know what is next. Mm-hmm. And um, it went from, I, I was so driven. I spent years, like, sort of mercilessly to, towards myself, like, climbing the ladder to get to those things. Um that I, I really said when I'm done with X-Men and Punisher, I want to like reward myself by doing the stuff I want to do. Um, and, and I wanted to do those things, but like uh, doing stuff that is fun, that is like, uh, you know, that, that I wouldn't, that, that I could say I earned and, and, and sort of, you know, the multiple man kind of books. Um, so Hawkeye was high on that list for me. Um, Hawkeye is a weird, weird, odd book always. And that's a fun book. And that's a, a prestige title as it were. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff at Marvel coming up that I'm really excited about. You know, I'm doing force works that comes out next month and 
people are baffled that I'm doing force works, but I love the original force works. And, um, you know, Darren, who's the editor, is is one of the best editors in comics, and I I was just like, Darren, I want to do force works with you. And he was like, Yeah, let's do it. And it, you know, it's it, that kind of thing where it's just like I'm not worried about optics or aesthetics or career planning for a little bit. I'm I'm worried about doing things that feel fulfilling and fun. And force works is just a fun book. And then I'm doing more creator own stuff. I have a a new image book coming out later this year um called what's the furthest place from here with tyler boss who did four kids walking to a bank with me oh yeah um and i'm really excited about that i'm working on some other creator on stuff that we're going to announce later this year and yeah it's just it it uh, for a little bit i want to just take a year and just wing it and sort of see what i do Mm -hmm. see where it goes keep doing this thing yeah yeah i i uh that's fair yeah I i think you know uh, comics is comics is great. It's the best job I've ever had. It's it's so fun and so rewarding and so fulfilling. It's long hours and and real brutal and 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 sort of intense and um, I mean it's a job. It's a hard job, but it's a great you, job. You did not arrive unprepared for that, though. No, no, not <laughs> at all. But but I I spent a long time doing the like the planning and the the thinking and the like scheming and the the maneuvering and all that stuff. And I, I'm, I'm happy to have reaped the reward of that, that I have, you know, people who are kind enough to buy stuff when I put it out and retailers who are kind enough to order it and editors who are kind enough to trust me. And I want to just coast on that for a little bit and do some stuff that I think is really fun that I can cut loose on. So that's awesome. That's what, a, what a nice story that we're still in the middle of then. I'm, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to be back here on 2021 and be like, that was a terrible decision. That was really dumb of me. <laughs> really should have tried to be the writer on Venom, I don't know. There's lots of time. Do all those things. It'll sure. Work out. Cool. Well, thanks so much for uh, hanging out and chatting with me. This was fun. Yeah, this was great, Josh. Thank you so much. And that is all for another episode of Talksplode. Obviously, I want to thank Matt Rosenberg for coming here and hanging out with me and chatting. You can follow him on Twitter at Ashcan Press. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can look at other Talksplodes we've done, other Booksplodes, and our Pick of the Week podcast. All that stuff is over there. And I want to thank the patrons for uh, the support in general and uh, for making it possible for me to do these shows uh, regularly again. I know this was supposed to be your December show. It is now the end of January uh, as it comes out. So... The point is, here's the show. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening.